Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm your host, Sab Kane. We're going to do uh, more of the same as what we did last episode. It's going to be Greeny talking about some second rounders. This is uh, part two of three episodes, so Greeny will be talking about picks. believe it's 41 through 50. I think that's, uh, I think that's how we did it. He uh, he uh, picks out uh like I don't know maybe six six prospects from there. Um, most of them were American college players, so Greeny saw them play. So we'll do that, and then uh, film this week is apology. I'll talk about that after I play this previously recorded clip. All right. Well, let's go to picks 41 through 45. I know you're not going to have any idea who the Celtic guy is. I have no idea who he is either. All right. Uh, so uh, who do you want to pick between 41 to 44? Pick three of them. So I could do 41, 42, and 43. You okay. got Joe Wieskamp, Isaiah Livers, and Greg Brown. Yeah. Yeah, let's do Wieskamp. For, he's going to the Spurs. Another wing. <laughs> Just what they need. Go figure, huh? Yep. Uh, so this was an interesting pick to me. Every year as a college fan, obviously uh, leading up to the draft, I'm following the early entry list, and I'm looking at who's leaving, who's on the fence, who's definitely coming back. And every year it seems like that list grows and grows and grows and grows. Like you got – a hundred guys leaving early every year and there's only 60 draft slots. So it's like, wow. I mean, it's not just about getting drafted anymore. It's potentially the G league, potentially overseas. It goes to show how basketball has grown across the world. It's pretty impressive. Um, but a guy like this, when I saw him on the early entry list, I was a little bit surprised because Iowa typically doesn't have those kind of guys. Iowa was a very quality program in the big 10 that has, you know, mostly four year guys. And I thought he was in the mold of that. This guy is a little bit of a better athlete than what they usually recruit. And he's a really great three-point shooter. He's become a knockdown three-point shooter um, over his three years at Iowa. And I thought there was some potential for him to play in the NBA someday. Did I necessarily think he would get drafted in this draft? No. Um, but again, I thought he would be one that pulled his name out and went back to Iowa for another season. So what I heard was he worked out really, really well at the Combine and also at some of these individual workouts and probably raised his draft stock to pretty early second round. Um, do I think he could have used another year at Iowa and maybe made a run at a national championship? Yes, I think that could have been in the cards for him. But I'm glad he's going to the NBA because hopefully my Wildcats bounce back this year and I'm glad not to see somebody like that down the road in the end. NCAA tournament potentially. Yeah, a few. Uh, but yeah, it's that it's that crowded wing slot for San Antonio. I don't know how that's going to work for them. Uh, but so maybe he ends up in the G League for a year, something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's taking minutes away from any of those guys they got there already. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And then uh, we got Isaiah Livers, senior out of Michigan. He is going. It looks like he's going to the Pistons. Let's just make sure. Yep, going to the Pistons. So imagine that 
your star at Michigan for a few years, and then you get drafted by the hometown team. That's got to be awesome. Oh, yes. A team that's kind of in rebuilding mode, too, so you're going to get some minutes probably. Oh, yeah. um, this guy is somewhat in the mold of Sadiq Bey, who they drafted last year. So Sadiq Bey is going to have some competition for some minutes at you know the three or the four, depending on what they want to do there, how they want to play. Um, and the thing that I was saying to you, I remember during the draft about this guy, it's like I watched a lot of Michigan basketball, obviously every year, but especially the last few years. And um, many nights on the wing between this guy Livers and Franz Wagner, Livers was the more impressive player. He got hurt at the end of his season last season and missed the Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament. So there was more put on to Franz Wagner. Maybe that affected his performance a little bit. Um, but on the collegiate level, I would have rather had Livers on my team than Wagner. So I guess they're seeing the upside in Wagner, maybe more potential development. But I would say this is a real quality pick at this point in the draft. This is a guy that's probably going to make this roster right off the bat, I would guess. Uh, yeah, just put up numbers at Michigan. He's a, he's a guy that steps out and shoots it well. Uh, he's physical enough to go in and rebound, stick his nose in there. Probably going to play the three, uh, defend, rebound. Yeah, this is a rotation guy eventually, I think. Oh, very nice. And uh, then we got Greg Brown going to Piers. It's going to be Portland, actually, that he's going to. So uh, another guy from Texas in the draft, another, uh, another big man. Can he play center at all? So it's another Texas big on paper, uh, but I believe he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, very bouncy, uh, great athlete. Not quite on the level of Kai Jones, who was drafted earlier out of Texas. I would say there's more likelihood that he eventually steps out more on the wing than he eventually goes down to like the five. So he's going to be a four originally, uh, but the more he develops his jump shot, he probably could play some three eventually. Uh, but... Five, I would say, is probably out of the question. Whereas, yeah, Jones might eventually play a little more five. Um, this Greg Brown might step out to the wing a little bit more. He definitely tried to do that at Texas this past season, and it wasn't the most successful outcome. Uh, give him credit for trying as a freshman. Uh, but that's what he needs to develop. He needs to develop that wing game a little bit. Great athlete. Could potentially be a great rebounder at the three or the four spot. Um, has to, yeah, improve that jump shot. This is another guy that was maybe a little bit of a knucklehead, came in with a big reputation, top ten recruit, uh, thinks he's going to walk into a starting role. And then as it turns out, Kai Jones probably took that shine from him. And we talked about it earlier. Kai Jones was not a big-time recruit, just developed very rapidly at Texas and became a first-round pick, whereas this guy was projected as a first-round pick coming into his freshman season and slipped a little bit. And you'll see later there's another Texas big man that got picked. So he had some competition at Texas that he couldn't beat out for that starting role for most of the season. He started some games, but, yeah, Kai Jones really took his shine and took that first-round slot in this draft rather than him. So if he can get the attitude stuff ironed out, maybe get with the right group of assistant coaches again, uh, right program, uh, this guy could be an NBA rotation guy. I don't think he's going to be a star, but probably a good player in the NBA. 
Good second round pick. Good developmental prospect. Very nice. And then forty five, of course, the Celtics pick Juwan Bagarin. Baharin Bagarin. I think that's his his name. He uh it's gonna be a great player for us in the future. Probably finals MVP in twenty twenty six, if I had to guess. So really excited about him. Uh not too many French guards. I can think of Tony Parker. He was French. So, yeah, maybe like uh, Tony Parker 2.0, I'd say. That's probably his floor right there, I'd imagine. So really looking forward to getting him. He might not be on the roster this year because it would be unfair to Peyton Pritchard. You, know, you, want to, uh, you don't want to take too many minutes. We just drafted Peyton Pritchard, you know. So, Bagarin, can't wait. All right, so picks 46 through 50. I'm going to give you two guys to pick out here. Who who do you want to talk about? Ooh, there's a couple good ones here. All right, we'll, we'll do three again. Okay. Um, we can go... 48, 49, and 50... We'll go Sharif Cooper, Marcus Zagorowski, and Philip Petrusev. All right. Sharif Cooper. It looks like he is going to the Hawks. Point guard, maybe the third string point guard, perhaps. Maybe you'll get off the bench. Maybe not. This is also, we're getting into two way contract territory as well. Like, usually picks in the 30s. Um,. Don't typically sign the two-way contracts, but you know sometimes there's an arrangement with agents saying, "Hey, my my client's willing to do a two-way contract." So, you know sometimes that's why people get picked late in the second round. Whereas there might be some really good prospects that don't even get drafted because they're like, ah, "I'd rather you know go try out for the summer league team and uh, you know hopefully get a guaranteed." roster spot perhaps um and then you know make like a million dollars a year instead of like however two-way contract uh players usually make which is a lot less than a million maybe it's like half that maybe a little more so um yeah uh sharif cooper do you think he might be able to find his way off the bench so it's interesting to see what they're doing at point guard in Atlanta. Obviously, you got Trey Young. And then you had Rondo at the beginning of this season, but you swap him for Lou Williams, scoring type of point guard. Obviously, can also distribute. But this Sharif Cooper fits right in that mold. This is a scoring point guard that's going to be able to learn a lot from Trey Young. A little bit undersized. Lou Williams, a little bit undersized. Um, but these guys can all fill it up. So he fits right in that mold. And I think eventually he does become a quality NBA player off the bench. So his upside was as a star at Auburn. Like he was looked at as a big time recruit, um, had some eligibility issues at the beginning of this past season, his freshman season, had to sit out much of the non-conference. But a lot of that was affected by COVID anyway. So once he got into conference play, that's you know where 
your bread and butter is when you're in a big conference like that. And he was a star as a freshman at Auburn in the limited amount of games that he played. Uh, he had a little bit of an injury at the end of the season. There was some question about, oh, well, it's not that serious. Why aren't you playing? Oh, you must be leaving for the NBA draft kind of thing. Similar to like Jalen Johnson out of Duke that went to Atlanta too. So Atlanta's clearly not concerned about the attitude stuff with these guys. They feel like they got Nate McMillan or somebody there that can work with them and work that stuff out. The talent is there for both of those guys. Um, Sharif Cooper was at a time looked at as a first-round pick. Again, big-time recruit, somebody that was uh, thought of as as a potential star at the college level, and he lived up to that in the few games that he played. But, yeah, think Trey Young. This is a poor man's Trey Young. Uh, can shoot it from anywhere on the floor, can distribute, and that's the probably the perfect spot for him to go and get tutored by those two other point guards. Very nice. Okay. Then... Uh... We have uh, we have Mark. How do you say Marcus's last name? Marcus Zagorowski. Zagorowski. He's going to Brooklyn. Another point guard. Uh, maybe he'll end up taking that two-way spot there. Is he more of a scorer or a passer? Oh, I really like this guy. Okay. There was some question about his NBA potential um, leading up to the draft, and I guess even as far back as last college basketball season like during march like is this guy gonna leave early or is he gonna come back to creighton because creighton's not the kind of school that you really get a lot of nba guys from but i've watched a lot of creighton basketball the past couple seasons because they've been really good and a big reason why they've been really good is this guy here so he was a big time shooter and scorer at the collegiate level but he could also distribute and and play a lead guard role and he's going to obviously have to do more of that in the NBA than just scoring because Clay- Creighton plays against a little bit lesser of competition. Uh, but I watched this guy make big shot after big shot after big shot, big three after big three um, at Creighton in some pretty high-profile games the past two seasons. So I was pretty shocked when people questioned whether he could play in the NBA. This is a guy I would want on my team. Um Maybe he could have used another year, but I think he was right. I think that he's ready to play in the NBA. So maybe the two-way thing is in the cards, but I think he makes his way onto the full-time roster eventually. Okay. And then um, we get the Sixers getting Philippe Petrusev from Serbia. You like this guy as well. Yeah, I mentioned this guy to you on draft night. It's listed as Serbia, but he had a couple really good seasons at Gonzaga prior to the COVID shutdown in March oh, of 2020. Right. This, yeah, okay. So he would have been in, in conversation for the National Player of the Year this season on that great Gonzaga team. He and Kispert were the stars of the 1920 Gonzaga team before the shutdown. I believe he was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year that year, like Kispert was this year. And uh, he was a leader of that team. And we discussed this a little bit. It's like, you can't really blame this guy for going back to his home country during COVID, especially if he could play over there a little bit. I'm not 100% sure how he played over there this past season. But this is, you know, your typical back-to-the-basket big seven-footer that's trying to develop an outside jumper. The shot is not broken. He made free throws at Gonzaga. And, yeah, this guy would have been in conversation as one of the best players in college hoops this year had he been here. So to me, at 50, this is a steal. Like I think this might have been a first-round pick had he played at Gonzaga this year. 
Very nice. Yeah, it's looking like a, a lot of these, typically in the second round, you see a lot of draft and stashes, like players from overseas, but I'm seeing a lot of college players this year, which, uh, I mean, looking back at, I, I was just looking back randomly at the 2015 draft, and it seemed like half of the second round never made it in the NBA because all draft and stash so it looks like the league might be moving away from that a little bit i think it might speak to the quality of this year's draft too i think in the mm -hmm. better seasons you see more college guys whereas in some of the years where the draft is not viewed as a great draft maybe gms and scouts kind of lean towards those draft and stash guys like let's take a big swing take a shot and uh if it doesn't work out it's okay because there wasn't a better option there anyway okay from like god it's like three weeks old now And our film this week, it's a little older, it's Apology from 1986, starring Leslie Ann Warren of Richie Rich's Christmas Wish fame, and Peter Weller, the always friendly Peter Weller. So here's a scoop with this movie. So Leslie Ann Warren is some artsy-fartsy, brilliant New York gal involved in the art scene and she has this performance art show where the public is encouraged to call a number and give them a chance to like apologize for you know, something that's been bothering them something that's been on their chests for a while um, you know she uh, she puts out flyers all around New York. Of course, at the beginning of the movie, you you can't tell it's Leslie Ann Warren at first. It's it's like a hooded person putting up flyers in the middle of the night. Like why would she put these flyers up in the middle of the night in New York City in 1980s New York City? This isn't you know recent New York. It's safe New York. So it is a. An interesting premise, you know, not really the the greatest idea in the real world, but for a movie, it's like, oh, this this uh could uh, stir up an interesting plot here, and of course, what do you know? A serial killer confesses his crimes. Of course, that was gonna happen. So. A lot of a lot of what we hear is this one serial killer confessing uh, just some you know terrible acts. His name is Claude. It's funny they they make a quip in the movie like, really the the killer's name is Claude. <laughs> it's like it's uh, not the most threatening name when you when you really think about it. What's well, funny the. Uh, some of uh, the voicemails that uh, are, it's, uh, I guess, answering machine messages. This is back when people actually used answering machines. Um, one of them was sampled in an Easy e song. It's, it's basically uh, Claude calling, confessing that he killed someone with his Louisville slugger. I mean, Easy E used that um, 
was actually the last album that re- he released. It was one of the tracks. I think it was actually called Sorry Louie. You might hear it a little later. Hint, hint. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's just funny that they would they would sample that. So it was released on HBO. It's on VHS. There's no Blu-ray or DVD release, so it's a bit of an obscure movie. Not too many. No, there's there's less than a thousand votes on IMDb. If uh, if you watch it, you know when you think of HBO movies these days, you you know you think of high quality, um, you know something that's going to be like talked about like uh, amongst your friend group because HBO they they really uh, they really step up to the plate. It it would be hilarious. If someone got a meeting at HBO and spoke with an executive and pitched this movie, like the whole plot of the movie, they'd be like, what? Did you mean to go to A&E Networks across the street? You're, you're pitching me a Lifetime movie here. Well, why would, why would we produce this? Like, this, this is literally... A lifetime movie. I mean, there is, you know, maybe some more creative elements that you wouldn't see. Some of the lifetime movies, there's a, there's a certain cheapness to them, and this, you know, goes. This is on a bigger scale, I'd say, than than a lifetime movie. You know, it's a, it's a, you know the the sets are good, the acting is, you know, not completely wooden or anything like that. Peter Weller is, you know, he seems like he might be out of it for most of the movie, but, you know, whatever, he's a detective, he's a badass. Leslie M. Warren, you know, not terrible, not terrible. But uh, it's just the, the whole plot, everything that happens, it's really nothing too shocking. It's, you know... If you pitched all the plot points of the movie, you'd say, oh yeah, this is like a, a lifetime TV movie. Except, uh, you know, the concept of uh, a killer leaving voicemails on an answering machine is, uh, you know, a little different, I guess. Especially when it involves a performance art piece. Yeah, there, there's one scene where uh, Peter Weller goes with Leslie and Warren to an an art performance show and there's there's a ton of people there there's the place is packed all it is is this woman like on a small stage a small set of a kitchen sink and she's acting out doing dishes while smoking a cigarette. People are surrounding her on all sides, fascinated by this. And that's all she's doing. And Peter Weller's like, what the, what the hell is this? And then there's another actor in this movie, John Glover. I know him best from Scrooged, that Bill Murray movie. It actually came out a couple years after this. And... They uh, there's some animosity between the two because he can tell that Peter Weller thinks uh, that this is like the stupidest show ever, which it really is. And uh, of course, Peter Weller doesn't take 
too kind to him. He introduces himself as Detective So-and-so, and then when John Glover mentions him by name, Peter Weller has to correct him and say, that's actually Detective uh, TV movie actor. You know? And, uh, yeah, there's some funny banter between them, but, um, you know, other than that, it's, it's, they've... It's supposed to be New York. They filmed it in Toronto. There's actually a lot of uh, small actors in this. Chris Noth, Noth, Noth or Noth. He was in Law and Order. I think he might have been in Sex in the City as well. Harvey Firestein is in the movie. I didn't really notice him in the movie, but I saw him in the credits. Same with Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. Of, uh... The tale of Cutter's treasure fame. He was Cutter. He's also in an episode of The Sopranos. Charles has done. He's done a lot of movies. You guys would know him. But it really just wasn't that special of a movie. So then, like any typical Lifetime TV movie, the uh, the female protagonist... Faces off against the killer. She's able to lure him to one of the art studios that she works at. And it gets him onto this, like, this strange display. It looks like... Like, uh, someone was trying to to build a, a passageway on a spaceship, but didn't finish. And, uh, she's able... To get the killer in there and then light everything on fire. So then you think the movie's over. Because, you know, he's, he was clearly on fire. That would that would kill any, you know, regular human being. But you can just tell by the pacing of the movie. Oh, there's going to be more. There's going to be more. And, of course, she walks. Goes, oh, by the way, her daughter's there, too. She uses her daughter. To bring this killer to this art studio. Now, how nice of her to do that. That's love right there. And, yeah, they she gets him on fire, and they walk, they walk towards him to make sure he's dead. It's like, no, just, just, just walk away. What are you doing? You dummies. And then, of course, he gets up. He's about to stab him or whatever he has in his hand. And then, <laughs> gun goes off. That did not sound like a gun. Pow! What do you know? Peter Weller shows up, shoots the killer dead, literally comes out of nowhere. So basically, the theme of this movie, it's telling us that in order to eliminate, in order to murder a serial killer, a female's not going to be able to get the job done. You need a male to put, you need a male in order for those credits to start rolling. A bullet needs to come from the gun that a male is holding in order for the movie to be over. And that is why this film is called Apology, because 
the filmmakers are apologizing to the audience for presenting us with such derogatory ideas. It's awful. It, it's terrible that HBO would allow this. It really is. So, I give this the Tier 2 rating, the Tier 2 Abbey rating. It's it's nothing special. There, there's some cool set pieces, since, you know, it is the 80s. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm picturing HBO, like, trying to remake this nowadays. They would have, like, every, <laughs> every character would be wearing, like, a... Uh, neon probably like crazy neon colors because that's you know apparently what everyone thinks the 80s was when really <laughs> you know <laughs> the the there's plenty of movies that take place in present day 1980 that that were made in the 80s that do not have neon colors in them like that's you know it's kind of insulting to people who grew up in the 80s, I'd imagine, to, to see what people, uh, what um, our generation thinks what the 80s were. So, nothing special. Really nothing special. But if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. All right. We are going to transition to the music portion, but, uh, oh, first, uh, see, I got a, a voicemail on my answering machine here. Let's, uh, let's play it. Hi, Claude again. You remember I told you about my cousin mm -hmm. when I was 15? Mm -hmm. Well, the year mm -hmm. after that, I killed this kid, Louie. Oh, Bashed my God. In with ah. my Louisville slugger. <laughs> I got away with it. <laughs> But I, I want to apologize to Louie. I'm sorry, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> He rolled down my block with the pistol and 
easy E so we can buy us some OE 40 OZs Get a buzz with the thugs in the neighborhoods black But buy a couple of extra ones for the neighborhood right Drinking, you'll be drinking out my bottle, bitch, that's bullshit Still got semen on your lips from the homies dick Shit, you're the homegirl, but shit, you're like a loose goose So give me a couple of dollars so I can bring you back a deuce deuce Well, bring BG Knocker back a motherfucking 40 -o. So me and my nigga Big Boy can go and cop some endo And we'll be right back at you niggas with a quick fast Try to don't forget to buy a couple of packs of zigzags
underground reporters we tell about you know the streets and everything that goes on you know around in compton our area what's going around around us we don't know what the fuck's going around around by you but frankly we don't give a fuck you know most kids in compton don't give a fuck who the mayor president is you know they're not even interested in voting and the police you know what i'm saying i say fuck them (laughs) 